welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. You can follow the show, more importantly, on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Email us. Uh, that is HeyEintrackFrankfurt at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash HEFPod for all the latest news and information on the Eintracht in the English language. So, And that includes you know player rumors, new episode drops, and more. So without further ado, uh, bringing on the full crew once again, uh, going around the table, we got Nathan in St. Louis. Brian, how's it going? You know, it's a little chilly here in the Midwest, but you know the sun is shining. You wouldn't think that we're in the middle of a health pandemic, would you? Now <laughs> um, I'm getting out and being a little healthier, but we'll see. <laughs> still, Still got a long way to go through this. <laughs> the other person chuckling in the background is our resident German Roman, not in San Francisco, but in Bad Philbel. Exactly. Hello, greetings from Bad Philbel. Or Good Philbel, but, you know, <laughs> it's not decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, guys, it's been a little bit of time since we were last talking about the Eintracht and... You know, it's about time that we got talking a little bit more because some news has been dropping, uh, whether that be uh, the restart of the Bundesliga or players ta- and players and staff taking wage cuts in addition to a little another jaunt down memory lane as we talk about the 2015-2016 season that ended uh, participating in the relegation playoffs. So... Without further ado, let's kind of kick it off right here, boys. Uh, Eintracht yeah. announcing that a 20% wage cut is to be taken on by uh, playing st- uh, players and staff so as to make sure that the Eintracht is kept a viable uh, at club. This is something that a lot of clubs all over Europe are participating in. Are you surprised that it took so long for uh, the team to announce this or possibly surprised by um, the kind of the only 20%? Because we've seen some examples such as in Barcelona, in Spain, uh, they have taken a 70% wage cut when it comes to at least for their players. It's huge. Huge. <laughs> I mean, I I, I mean <laughs> I, it took forever for them to announce it. I mean, I think you know, I think the first call to come out with anything was Bayern. Weirdly, yeah. I mean, I those those big money clubs better be the first people to come out and say they're going to do things uh, to help people uh, stay on and uh, keep keep the workers afloat. But you know, I I have a more social socialized uh perspective on this and i'm glad that they're um pushing some money towards towards them while keeping uh people working at least some i think it's i think it's the craziest thing you know that even uh, i mean uh, pay cuts are always not nice but you know if you are rich as shit you know you better take a pay cut right now you know because i I, yeah it would hurt me if it would hurt me personally if i had a really high income and somebody like literally like in the millions and mm-hmm. I would, and I would know that like ten people out of, I mean, how many people work for Eintracht Frankfurt directly? 
um, I don't know, is it is it 100, is it 200, whatever. But even if, let's say, if I had a million dollar salary and I would know that like 10 people would have to go, it would hurt me. And if if I could say, hey guys, you know, have some of my share, of my my money, in order to keep those ten people on board. And here we're talking about not on board full time, right? Everyone is taking a cut. So you know, I I don't even think that this is a debate. You know, like yeah. And it would be I I would I would expect everyone out there do the same, right? So if you were, and I heard like some stories, like also you know like some other bigger companies, you know, where they uh, like. Um, uh like ducks listed uh, organizations you know that that basically pay large amounts of money to their high paid managers you know it's like that's where I'd say, that's where you say right now okay no let's cut down everyone and um and especially those that have a lot um i don't know but yeah maybe i'm an idealist and uh Would, would I take a pay cut i mean most of the people are taking pay cuts right out there um yeah You know, so it should be fair enough for everyone, and yeah, and for soccer, absolutely. You know, get your get your cuts out. Yeah, for particularly the clubs that make money, like Frankfurt, um, if they can push that money from rosters to people, you know, to the people who need it, there is no question that they should be doing that. <laughs> and like you said, it should hurt. It should hurt you to see other people hurting. So. Exactly, and especially Help if you out. can make a change, you know, in a bit, and and, yep. and especially in those soccer clubs, like the discrepancy or the the um, how to say how does Bernie Sanders always say like the the clash between the two groups, you know, they're like so huge, you know, that there's like the on the one hand you have yeah. the expensive soccer players uh, that make millions or like uh, thousands a week, and then you have the others that make you know like a couple of hundred a week, you know, so um, and and this is where where you can be willing to cl help close the gap a little bit <clears throat> and i mean i do get it like in england it's going crazy as far as i heard right in england they basically want to make the soccer players pay for the world's problem right and i don't need that doesn't need to be like this that being forced upon is also a wrong thing right so they shouldn't say the money that the soccer players make should be used to uh to solve the um the healthcare uh, crisis you know I don't think that, right? Um, yeah. And, and this is a, a different on a different level, but yeah, people should take cuts yeah, if sure. they can afford it. You know. Exactly, because look, I will use uh, one example of a club in England that has gotten a lot of uh, pushback for their actions. So the, in brief, the UK government is going to be guaranteeing uh, 80% of the wages of your average worker will be you know paid you know this is going to be coming uh from the the tax the taxes that are taken from you know uh each uh working yeah. uh, uh person in britain and so uh this team that is participating in the champions league in the in the english premier league as well uh i will name them tottenham hotspur a team that has a new stadium that they just built that is host that hosted an nfl a regular season game at their stadium so getting a lot of big bucks mm -hmm. for that and all of their no. non-permanent staff uh they laid them off so that the government could pay for their wages yeah yeah yeah, yeah just giving it to the government it's like oh the government said that they will take care of this so we're just gonna put it off and they had not as far 
last time I saw, they might have uh, done something different in the meantime. Uh, yeah, that was all to make sure that these players that are being paid 50 to over 100,000 euros per a week mm. so that they can still get their, you know, uh, due pay. Because apparently in uh, the United Kingdom, they have a players union. And if they don't agree- make an agreement across the entire league system uh, to take a cut, then everyone is obligate is, uh, you know, contractually obligated to pay out to the full extent. And what the players want to do in terms of, you know, donating money, this, that, and the other, that's on them, but that's all, you know, it's all organized that way. And, you know, it's <laughs> for these clubs that are paying out stupid amount of money that yeah. are, you know, beyond most Bundesliga teams it's it's just a sad state of affairs yeah. uh, that the world is in at this present time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, like the reactions and what's going on right now and how each club will uh, treat their, their people who need the, need the money the most. And um, that's all going to be different from club to club. And I, I, I mean, hopefully we as, people and countries and cities and clubs all learn a few things out of this to help those people uh, long term and so that if something like this ever happens again then they we have a little more of a rigidified system that we know to snap into instead of just like hey what what do we do now yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yep. and we've seen a lot of people you know, uh, and companies that have done their due diligence in terms of helping out, you know, the local healthcare system, whether that is uh, creating masks to be able to help the shortage of masks that are available uh, to hospital workers and everything else. You see all this good that has been done, and yet at the highest end, sometimes you just have a bunch of dickheads that are making moves uh, out of their own self-interest. <laughs> I will I will even throw out a certain NHL team, uh, the NHL National Hockey League, a league that uh, Nathan and I have strong, strong <laughs> feelings towards because we have our two individual teams. But a certain team mm. out in the Massachusetts area, um, just to give a little hint, you know, the owner has only guaranteed that he will pay those part-time staff for games missed if the season is full-out canceled. So in the mean, t- so basically in the meantime, uh, you're shit out of luck and just hanging out there in the wind. The, like the only team in the National Hockey League that has not said, yes, we're going to pony up and take care of you guys. It's just absolutely asinine how, you know... Uh, morality just as in some cases mm. has been thrown out the window, but no, oh, yeah, for sure. They, they live up to their, uh, their euphemistic name in that regard. I won't say it on <laughs> if there are any Bruins. They're a bunch fans, of cheap, wanna... they've been known as a cheap, a <laughs> uh, bunch of cheap skates for I think ages and ages in right. within the National Hockey League kind of fandom ranks, and you know, they're only, um, just to give another hint to who this might be, if you had no idea, they're an original six team. I mean, when you when you have that sort of gravitas, <laughs> you 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 shouldn't be screwing around with your fans and your workers like that, because then the fans just get right. pissed off, and you know when things do return to a little bit of normalcy, they're just gonna treat the owners like crap. 
you know, and but hey, you know, they will be getting their you know come up so I think we've done enough uh, uh rambling on this. So gentlemen, uh Christian Seifert, uh the CEO of the Bundesliga has said that because of the conditions in Germany uh have been a lot better than a lot of other places in and around Europe, such as in Italy and Spain, have been really decimated uh, by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Germany has really done very well in terms of a lot of the testing and rolling out these kind of almost drive-through testing centers uh, around the country. Yeah. And Christian Seifert has felt it good enough to say, hey, these teams are already training in small groups and... Uh, Currently, uh, the last club that I hadn't seen that hadn't made any announcement in regards to training was Freiburg. Uh, someone would have to let me know if they have changed tact on that. But uh, looking to resume in early to mid-May, I think this is extremely optimistic. But, you know... I think uh, you're right. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. Germany has done a, a way better job than most countries out there when it comes to tackling this pandemic outbreak but you know yeah. even if we entered uh matches in the bundesliga in may and you know even knocked out the uh maybe i don't know if we're gonna i don't think i had seen anything in regards to the dfa pokal considering the fact that it's literally just three matches that are yet to be played in two semifinals mm-hmm. and final so not really all <clears throat> that m- that many to be played there, but hey, you know, we're involved in it, so yeah. obviously we care a lot about it. Uh, but I still would like to, I don't get very... it. Like, I would still like to understand, you know, what's different. Like, how is the virus different now than yeah. five weeks ago? This is what I don't get, you know? I mean, like, yeah. um, it's not that we have now so many people that are now immune, so now let's go crazy. I mean, if one player gets infected by whatever reason i don't know i mean they don't even know now they're talking about maybe even cats you know can transmit it whatever you know i'm just saying i'm not even saying that this is so (laughs) fact check everything independently right i'm just saying right but you know like how is i mean it's not like a a muscle injury that happens to me and then to nobody else like how is this how are they supposed to come out with the bundesliga even if they put everyone in isolation they still need food they still need I don't know, some kind of, I mean, they cannot be warded off, guarded off, you know, completely. And then what if somebody gets the virus um, and the whole team cannot play? Like, that just screws up the whole game plan again, you know? Like, okay, now Frankfurt yeah. cannot play for the next two weeks. and uh, But, like, I, I, either I don't understand something in this whole virus thing or... I would like to understand how they see this happening. You know, we talked about this last time, right? I mean, like, they got to travel. They got to go from A to B. And do they want to contain the whole staff, you know, from the cook to the coach to the bus driver to the person wipe cleaning the showers? How are they supposed to make sure that that they're all clean? And and we all and we all know that this takes about five days, and you know, and until you you can spread it, probably even and you can, and you can test it. So I, I don't know. I just I just don't get it. I mean, especially if the rest of the world, if they're now loosening some of those uh, things for for the rest of the world, right? So whereas now they have more stores open, more people going outside. I mean, the past three weeks we were like contained, 
and now it's gonna they loosen it up and but they're gonna contain the soccer players even more and the whole staff and everyone like how do this I, I just don't get it or I'm missing something but please somebody tell me how this is mm -hmm. supposed to work Yes, because we're uh, the, none of us here are medical experts, right? Fair. Yeah, but even like on a logical, like not, I don't need to know medical, like some logic, right? I mean, there's we, I know we don't know cats or not. That's something where we need a, a scientist or somebody, but you know, we need somebody who tells me how they think, how they simulate it in their brains, how the season is supposed to start on, let's say, June first. Even you know, I don't even, I cannot comprehend. How they're supposed to put? Yeah, me neither. And 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 uh, it, it's it's a middle little microcosm of the entire world. Like I feel like everyone's still in a bit of denial that this could go this could go on for quite a bit of time. And a lot of a lot of places, businesses, uh, Bundesliga being a business itself, are a little Pollyanna, hope being hopeful about uh, return to normalcy, and um, they don't want to. They don't want to get the carrot too far out. They need to dangle the carrot so people yeah. uh, keep keep them in mind and, and such. But, like, yeah, everyone wants to get back to normal. Yeah. I mean, there's not a person that doesn't. Yeah. Um, we're just I, – I, I think that those – as those dates come closer, there, there will be a recheck of reality and those dates will be pushed out um, as they have for – at least once or twice already. So I think you're right with the, with the carrot. That's a good analogy, you know, and I have this in the startup world, you know, where like businesses, if they don't really work out that well, you kind of like to make the cut. It's just like the toughest thing in the world, you know, to make the pivot or to decide, yeah. okay, it doesn't make sense. So you kind of like keep the carrot dangling and you're like happy. Oh yeah, there's the opportunity and it keeps the whole supplier and the whole, because like imagine if they would say, Guys, you know, I don't think until there is a vaccine out there, there's no way we can we can get this working, right? There's no, and that's my my opinion. You know, I believe you cannot yeah. have a, a a thing like this because again, like even the situation. What if one player gets it through whatever? Um, it's you know we have to put the whole team into quarantine, uh, and you know. I mean, yeah. and like even go further. What if the cleaning lady of a player is officially um, contracted? Like, do they then do it for five days? You know, like to for six, seven days, and all the people they had contact with, you know, like put into, you know, like it's 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 not like a muscle ache. You know, it's not like where oh my knee hurts and then I'm out. You know, it's kind of like if if yeah. one of the team is out, the team is out. You know, and but they're like like I said, maybe I missed something. No, I mean, I think that's accurate. I mean, the I mean, you don't need to look too far back to see like I feel like every professional sports team and organization is looking towards like what the NBA did uh, the moment that they figured out people had it and what they needed to do. And they locked down and they immediately canceled like, uh, you know, they suspended the season immediately. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see a situation like that happening again and not having the same uh, consequence. So I, it, they're, they're good. And, you know, and the Bundesliga is a little different uh, as Brian and I were talking last time about um, uh, players unions and yeah. things. And, but um, anything that's involving agents and, and, and players 
there's they're going to want to be protecting themselves because if you do contract it, there is a sizable amount of people. Even if I mean, if you survive, you you have lung damage, and so what does that do to your career? So yeah. maybe even be heart, a lot of right. I mean, now they say like right. after after the lung is done, so to say, they've realized that now something happens to the heart, and yeah, for ninety ninety percent of the people who cares, right? We're still going to do our lives, but if you do professional sports, that could be the end of your career, you know. Right. Um, right. Mm -hmm. so consideration there. And I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about that going on. Yeah. But I mean, they have to get going. I mean, the other problem is like if they would say, guys, let's start February next year. Right. I mean, that would basically, I would, I would assume that one third of the clubs, at least they would have to uh, declare bankruptcy. You know, I mean, yeah. like, like clubs like Werder Bremen or, you know, um, uh, smaller Schalke ones like now. Mainz, whatever. You know? now in tr Schalke is now in trouble. And think of how big Schalke is. Yeah. However, they, yes, they That's are crazy. financially, but I think they will always manage somehow. I think the bigger club, like the big, big clubs, they can be in trouble. But through the bankruptcy process, they won't die so mm. to say right they're going to go to the icu and they're going to come out and uh, they'll be fine but there are some clubs you know who i don't think they can survive the icu you know do you think that vertebra bremen is a big club but i should point out that they are also still one a hundred percent just the membership model there is no one person who owns more than like what you and I yeah. can buy in terms of uh, buying the membership. There are a couple people who have a bigger stake in Eintracht Frankfurt. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. And the, every single club in the Bundesliga, minus Werder Bremen, is in at least got someone who owns more than just one membership share. Werder Bremen okay. is like one of the few. But, you know, it also is like the, you know, what. You know, I guess you could say it's way up there. It's the only it's the only club in town. Whilst you know, uh, if you're in Munich, how many teams are in the Greater Munich era area that you know are in the top three divisions? I can think of two offhand and Unterhaching and uh, 1860, and then you get Berlin. Hey, guess what? There's so many uh, Berlin uh, teams in the Regionalliga and then on up in addition to two in the Bundesliga. And one club's already gone through the whole process of bear, uh, going off, you know, just surviving. I, I'd like to think that when it does come to the Bundesliga clubs that basically to a T... They should all should all be able to survive, but once you start getting beyond things, can get very. In my opinion, I think things are going to get very shaky. It will really undermine what the fifty plus one yeah. rule uh, is able to allow in Germany, because then you'll think, hey, there's no one dude who can then yeah. show up and save a club. You know, yeah, but, I mean, but, if you start looking at as uh, let's look at Zweite Liga clubs. Are you telling me that Aue, who is way the hell out there, they're not in a big city like Dresden. Aue is an old East German club, and let's be honest, they're not from a, like a big city like a Leipzig uh -huh. or even a Rostock, a place with a lot of people and certain level of industry that would be able to kind of, you know, have people with big pockets who could say, you know what, you are important to our society. We will help you out. 
I don't think that an hour would be able to survive. I mean, you know, yeah. may, a tiny club like Regensburg uh, is in Bavaria, but, you know, it's close enough to Munich that maybe someone would be able to save him, but they're still a very small club. I mean... Got to wonder about a Sandhausen. Will they? Sh- will they survive? Will a Heidenheim survive? I mean, already you've got big clubs in trouble uh, in Anova yeah. and Karlsruhe who are ready to declare insolvency because things are just so bad. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing is, like, sometimes the smaller, the smaller cu- clubs are maybe more in a comfortable situation because they're way more agile. You know, I mean, they don't have such a big overhead. And yeah, the players, that's of course depending yeah, on... More if the de- pl- that makes them more dependent than on your match day revenue. Because, I mean, what? Uh, they get uh, 10-ish? Yeah, yeah. 15 I mean, million euros on, uh, from TV. Whilst if you want to look at the Dritte Liga, I mean, as a national division, I mean, I would say that those clubs are probably in the biggest of uh, scary situations because, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? That TV contract is only a couple million euros. Now, Kaiserslautern is a big club, and they've already had to sell off uh, three prized assets for a couple million euros yeah. in total to make sure that they will be able to get through this. They, and that's kind of scary for them in the long term because, you know, what's the, who's to say that they then don't go uh, even further down this, you know, relegation money suck that they've been doing. And, I mean, there's only uh, for just, an example, you know, like what if they got relegated because they're only a couple of points off of the drop? Yeah. That that's However, I would, a scary thing I, to think about. Yeah. What do you guys like? It, like as a fallout, you brought up the fact that uh, they had to sell talent. Or do you think that the bigger clubs are like the Munichs of the world are salivating a little bit because they can yes stockpile and, no. and and bring a lot of talent in that they otherwise wouldn't have had access to? Yes and uh, yes and no, but uh, Roman, I'd love to hear. No, you I think of... like the, the 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 big big teams, they don't care anyways, right? I mean, like if if Paris Saint Germain wants a player, if they want a Neymar for two hundred and eighty million, they buy a Neymar for two hundred eighty million. Whether that Neymar yeah. is now a hundred million instead of two hundred eighty, I don't know. I think like um, you know, I don't think that makes a big difference. Of course, like. On, on the mid and lower yeah. level, I say yes, right? So Frankfurt could be beneficial. We could benefit from this on two ends. First of all, we're not going to sell Kostic now, right? I would say he would have been gone in summer, like without a doubt. Now I can see why should he go, right? Like he's also getting a percentages of the um, uh, of the amount, um, uh, you know, of, of the total amount for the uh, f- for the yeah. transfer. And now he's not, you know, he's not going to go for 20 million. Like, no way. He's, he'd rather play in Frankfurt a little bit longer. You know, and like big, big players, yes. Maybe does a Leroy Sané, if he wants to go to Bayern, he's not going to cost <laughs> a million now, you know, a hundred million. You know, he's going to be now maybe 60, maybe 50, maybe 40. But then there's, I don't know. Is Chelsea going to give him a uh, not? Uh, um, uh, is Manchester City now going to give him away for that? Hmm. You know. So the big clubs, I yeah. don't think a lot changes. It's got to be tough for uh, you know for like clubs like Kaiserslautern, you know, or like like our, 
yeah. you know they can't afford it and then you know yeah. they have their one good player and now he's going to go of course he's not going to go to frankfurt or to bayern but he's just going to go to i don't know to bielefeld because you know they, oh now they need one and they're going to maybe get a mm. steal get this guy from our and and you know bielefeld can uh, can strengthen or you know let's say uh, if bremen gets into trouble you know and now boom frankfurt comes around now let, let's get him you know because we can't afford him you know so right that's more of what's going to happen i'm thinking of the big big end mm. you know it's going to be cheaper but like it's not that frankfurt now gets a steal and buys a top player from manchester united you know and that would exactly. be let's say that would be something totally uh, uh tremendous you know if we could suddenly afford leroy sané you know um <laughs> No, right? Then we would wow. say like a revolution happens. <laughs> yeah, right? that's a crazy imagination. <laughs> exactly, and that's why nothing will happen, or not a lot will happen. You know, um, that's that would be my my take on it. Of course, it will be different. It will be reshuffling. A few clubs probably going to go um, players, but there are going to be more players on the market, so prices are going to go down. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be revolutionary. It's still going to everyone will still fish in the same pond. Exactly. Uh, I think that so, at least for a while, the, one... the age of the super transfers, the biggest of the big transfers, your Neymar transfers that were for over 200 million euros and all these over 100 million euro transfers. I think we're it's we're going to be I think it's going to be like three, six years before we start seeing numbers of that size, because the clubs this will always have been. Especially for the really because it's the biggest of the big clubs who make these moves. I think this will be a more uh, kind of not really a reset button, but it will be more kind of coming towards the center, realizing that hey, you know what, this is not sustainable long term. Because hey, if you are having a bad season, you fire your coach. Hey, he bought you know a hundred million euros worth of players that suddenly the new coach is like yeah most of these guys are really crap and then the club will have spent all that money on i think this will cause player salaries overall to uh not not be continuously you know going up and up and up and i think transfer uh fees will go down eintracht is in a is one of the few clubs that are in a really good position because of the sales that we made uh, uh, before yeah. the start of this season. We're in a position where we can actually strengthen and be and uh, kind of make moves that you know, say, uh, a Gladbach might not be able to make. Uh, moves that say, oh, well, Leverkusen, Leipzig, those guys have got their uh, sugar daddies who will be able to help them out. Well, um. I would think that uh, I would look at uh, Gladbach and Schalke as two clubs in particular who are currently sitting in the, within the top six who, unless they basically get Champions League level money that will then be able to come in for the next uh, European season, that they won't be able to make any sort of reasonably good signings that would be able to help them improve their squads, but the Eintracht will be able to make that because we are on a better financial footing uh, currently. But that's that's my interpretation of things. I think that the players taking the cut will also help us out in the long term. And it will yeah. also mean that, you know, the Eintracht can basically start. I mean, we won't be able to pick off, like, the, the top talents from, like, your Hoffenheims, 
Leverkusen, Leipzig, Dortmund, or Munich. But everyone below that, we will be able, and maybe not even from a Gladbach, because they've they've been really good with their moves, whilst you know they're they're still living within their means. I do think that your top end players at Paderborn, uh, basically everyone who is is not got someone with a lot of money behind them, you know, uh, who's flouting the 50 plus one rule. I think any club currently in the Bundesliga is going to be susceptible to getting picked apart by a team who was a little bit more, uh, more smarter with their money or just, hey, you know, like us, we had a huge windfall from participating and going far in Europe in addition to uh, making some big, big sales. But that's me. Yeah. <laughs> do you do uh, expanding on my question do you think like you guys were talking about um uh, uh england do you think there will be certain leagues where e- either financially the the country is more at stake of losing things and therefore the clubs and therefore players will move or uh alternatively countries where the rights of players are looked upon a little more negatively um, in, in the eyes of the players. And so they move away. Like I'm, I was wondering if there would be some sort of spreading out of the talent again, a little bit as a result. Is there anything like that you guys think might happen or I would see in terms of like uh, the leagues that are going to take a big hit. I mean, Oh, you got to think that it, most of the Italian clubs, like unless you are a giant who is already participating in the big like competitions with big sponsors and everything, most of those guys are just going to get uh, picked off, uh, especially from your like mid-range clubs that might be you know playing for qualification for the Europa Pokal. I'll give uh, so. For example, Atalanta, the club that, you know, Eintracht supporters have a friendship with. Those mm-hmm. guys, walls, you know, those guys have qualified for the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Now they have that money coming in, but you're talking about a club that's in a region that has been absolutely decimated. And the amount of money that they're going to earn from their own fan level is going to be just insignificant compared to normal so a club like them it's just gonna get picked off hardcore spain the spanish clubs unless you're even if you're real madrid and barcelona like those guys had to take a stupidly high you know like wage cut and you know a lot of players will think you know i don't those clubs will not be able to fork over the stupid big money i think a lot of the yeah Middling teams, uh, mid-level uh, teams such as the Eintracht, uh, who keep the books balanced, who are smart, make the right moves, will be able to uh, push themselves further and further out, solidify themselves as a top-in performer within their own leagues. I think Portugal is a league that is going to like feel the strain because they're used to uh, those teams like Porto, uh, Sporting, where we got Dost, and uh, Benfica, where we uh, got uh, Jovic. Jovic. <laughs> Golly, that guy mm-hmm. seems to be thrown. Real Madrid is trying to literally chuck him anywhere they can because they see him yeah. as a kind of failure. But that's neither here nor there. But like those big three guy. are able to perform at a high level, get to the Europa League knockout phase, get to the Champions League knockout phase, because 
you know, they might buy 15 million euros worth of players, but they're also selling like 30, 70 million euros worth of players. And they're not going to have the clubs, even the biggest clubs are going to be like, we don't have the money that you're asking for. So you might have to uh, sit on your player for a year. Hey, guess what? They might suddenly get into uh, rural financial troubles, of which one of those three I have mentioned has been in that position more than once in the last decade. And you're going to have to be selling, those guys were going to be selling off piecemeal because they can't stay up at the high end level. I would say that is probably the one league I can think of offhand that has teams with players at a high level that are going to be picked off at, at chump change. Uh, sort mm. of money and it's going to be more like a feeding frenzy because your Benfica and Porto are known for their wheeling and dealing you know pick up a Mexican player for five million then sell them on for 25 when you can't get you know even probably 10 million for that guy that's gonna we're talk- that's not enough of a turnover that's going to allow them to be able to recruit and keep up with the big fish of the big leagues, and they are going to be yeah. easily picked it's off. Tough. Now, that's yeah. one example I would say also. Turkey is another, usually dominated by the Istanbul clubs, but, I mean, all those guys have uh, been really underperforming, and two of the three big ones might not even be <clears throat> Europe for the next season, and those mm. guys live off of that money. That is the kind of big selling ticket that allows them to do high-level recruiting. If you can't do high-level recruiting, then you know, you're know you not able to uh, continue competing for titles, and you're going to let your small clubs have a chance. It will allow for your non-top-end mm. leagues to have a more level playing field and you know it's it's going to be fascinating to find out what happens there. But that is my opinion. And if anyone yeah. seems to think there there's someone else out there who's going to be really susceptible to this, I'd love to hear it because I know when it comes to second divisions and beyond, uh, for all of these other countries, you know this is hitting them harder because when you go from a league that runs more off TV revenue and then suddenly you're yeah. a league that just lives off of your match day revenue. I mean I'm don't know what kind of money is i i this is just a vague guess but i'm pretty sure yeah. roman with your own local club bad fibo that they live off that match day income but i mean the, the the thing is at the end we'll find out you know i mean like we just have to wait a couple of months and we'll be smarter you know i mean time will tell um and it's all just a crystal ball um i mean we all have our right. everyone we can have our theories and this and that <laughs> you know maybe it's gonna work you know maybe may 1st you know they're gonna make the Bundesliga play again and the second league and then we'll be, oh my God, this Roman guy, he was totally crazy why he thought it's not going to happen. Um, or, <laughs> well, let's or, hope. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> exactly. Know? I want to be wrong. Don't get me. Uh, I want to see how this works. Um, how they pan yeah. out. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, I want this all to end as soon as possible, but in a responsible way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, it'll it'll be interesting to see, and how do how does the NBA does that now? So they suspended the season, and they just said, okay, we're gonna start a year later, or what? Um, I think that they're, uh, I, 
I want to say that they just suspended the season just like everyone else and said they're, they're just waiting for a later date. But the reason why I brought them up is because they were the first ones to do that on this side of the Atlantic, um, just to straight up suspend the season. I know that around that same time, the Champions League and UEFA in general was deciding on on that as well. And their decision came around the same time, but I, it, I, it, I can't remember exactly what specific team it might've been Oklahoma city in the NBA that like a bunch of players, uh, were joking around that they had like colds or whatever. And it turned out they all got tested positive during a game and, um, had to go in the locker rooms and who was it? Utah Jazz. Yeah, it was the Utah Jazz. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I brought them up. I mean, I, I think that every professional league is going to go through this process of uh, like the USL and the MLS just did, you know, push out the date for reevaluation two weeks or what so. What is the NBA doing? They're, um, they're starting soon as a, a, the baseball. NBL? At yeah, the MLB? MLB. MLB um, Major League Baseball, exactly. Yeah, they're. I think that they're in a – in the same place. The spring training sites. Yeah, they had started yeah, spring in training. Two big old spots. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's easier uh, if you looked at baseball standpoint, Roman. And uh, I don't know. Is, are the Cardinals in the Grapefruit League? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah at, they are. at least the Royals. The Royals and Giants are out in uh in the Phoenix area. Yeah. Scottsdale, Arizona is where the Giants play. If anyone ever goes out to spring training, not that I mean, if you're a baseball fan, hey, kudos to you. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's nothing better than spring training baseball when you can go for five days in a row and do an afternoon game, then an evening game, and bounce around in the same metro area for an entire week. It's actually. Oh, fun. I forgot. It's not yeah, really a but... sport anyway, so they can probably wear masks <laughs> anyways. Hey, I mean, like. Yeah, they can they can probably you know play baseball. They kind of do social distancing just by their exactly yeah. the way that the the interaction is for the yeah. Game. I mean the dugout yeah, the, they would kind of have to remodel the dugout, but besides that, there's enough distance, you know, to all the players. There's a lot I'll of spitting though. Move, that's like any wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in, Stop in chewing the tobacco. Dugout, they would probably need to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remove the the front part of the dugout, and those players can just kind of. Uh, enter and exit at any points of the dugout and that would almost allow for social distancing to technically still continue but you know yeah but if you have to one if you have to but, quarantine your your for two weeks though your team that's like half of the season right that's like 50 yeah. games right there well and I, yeah like uh, this all brings me back to the i mean the united states has player unions for each uh, major sport and I just, they're going to be the collective bargaining that decides on when it's safe for their players to come back and play because those players, they're not, they're not going to want to risk their careers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Robin, I know that your time is kind of, uh, at a premium these days and, uh, wanted to kind of get you in on hashtag. What are we drinking? Cause we've been going down all sorts of avenues here. Uh, I think it's a good time for us to kind of split and then uh, go into our thro- uh, Eintracht throwback time. But um, what am I drinking? Roman, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking uh, um, mineral water. So I'm having this time Nassauer Land Classic aus Bad Kamberg. I know it's from Bad Filbel. It's always horrible when I when I drink non-Bad Filbel water because we are water city, right? But um, <laughs> I'm just drinking water. I haven't had time yet for anything else. So. Uh, since it's the afternoon, I just calls back to back, 
And uh, yeah, so just water for me. How about you guys? What are you guys having in the morning? Water here. Same, <laughs> same for me. It wasn't before noon before we started, so I was trying to behave myself. Uh, it's lovely outside. It's a nice day. Uh, I brought out uh, my Eintracht uh, uh, cup uh, from the year that we had Kronbacher as our uh, shirt mm-hmm. sponsor. So uh, I thought I thought I would uh, kick it. Uh, was at the grocery store the other day and picked up a 12-er uh, beer box uh, from Kansas City Beer Company. And uh, I am uh, enjoying a lovely Hefeweizen uh, nice. to enjoy with spring, despite the fact that, uh, you know, uh, it's a little bit earlier in the day. But, hey, you know what? I have been good. In Times are strange. So. Not drinking. Not exactly. I've not <laughs> been drinking for a few days, so I thought I would Absolutely. enjoy it for today. Yeah, and if you get a nice yeah. weather outside and... Yeah, that's what people should be doing, you know. I mean, of course, still keep not drinking mm-hmm. to a daily level, but you know, yeah. I had my my Easter time. I was also drinking. Started uh, dr- drank a little bit early, and a friend of mine had his apple wine out, you know, from last uh, from October that we uh, yeah. got together. So you know, it's just always good. Yeah. Mm. So we are with you. Yeah. Alrighty. So that's gonna wrap it up for segment one of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Stay with us. Uh, segment two coming up. And where we're going to be talking about uh, the relegation survival, the relegation playoff season of 2015-2016, or uh, all sorts of other stuff in regards to that. So uh, stay with us. Welcome to segment two of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, talking uh, the relegation survival of 2015-2016 season. Just to recap of where Eintracht was, Eintracht Frankfurt had brought back had had kicked out Thomas Schaft after one season, while Alex Meyer also wants the Tor Schuster Cannon from the previous 14-15 uh, season. More importantly for us here in the United States, it was the first season that. Fox uh, Sports was going to be broadcasting the Bundesliga, so Eintracht had uh, uh, Eintracht fans had options in the United States to be able to uh, watch their Eintracht uh, in the English language on a match-by-match basis. So it was a really exciting time uh, to be a Bundesliga fan, just in general, not just an Eintracht Frankfurt fan. But let's kind of cover uh, where the Eintracht was during mm. that season. So. Uh, like I said, Amin Bey was uh, our match manager. Some of the players who had retur- who had come into the club was uh, Gasinovich had been brought in, had only just been brought in. In addition yeah. to Abraham Castaños, um, Hutsi, Marco Fabian was a winter uh, transfer along with Hutsi uh, to the Eintracht. Uh, Anis Bin Adira. Oh, yeah. If anyone remembers yeah. that uh, klutz, uh, <laughs> remember we had just sold in the in the summer. We had actually sold Kevin Trapp for nearly ten million euros mm-hmm. to Paris Saint Germain. 
on a two million uh, transfer, Radecki had joined uh, the Eintracht. Uh, other players who had left, uh, Inui had gone to Spain. Uh, we had lost. Uh, Wiedwald had left uh, to go to Werder Bremen. Another keeper who had has uh, <laughs> <laughs> returned to yeah. the Eintracht. Uh, funnily enough, um, but it was. Whilst it was exciting to see the Eintracht on a match-by-match basis, to be honest, it was not exactly the best of uh, best of things to watch because we just did our recruitment was just all over the place, and not for, not only did we have little money to do it with, we just made just some weird decisions that we that I can definitely look back on and just be like scratching my head and wondering what the same hell we were <laughs> doing Nathan this was a time that we solidified our um, life to dying tract um, more importantly uh, we uh, had to go through the relegation playoffs but before we get to that bit um, there were some good parts of that season before we got into the real relegation struggle uh, remember uh, I'm specifically remembering the 6-2 win over of a cone uh, yeah. for the Eintracht where Alex Meyer made his triumphant return and he scored a hat trick in that match. And you had Castaños scoring goals. You had Seferovic scoring goals for the Eintracht. It was a, at least briefly, it was fun. It was a, it was, it was a great start to that season. That's what I remember. Um, and the, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, people were remarking, was it this season or the season prior that Seferovic, Meyer, and Castaños were regarded as this, like, this the new triumvirate? triumvirate. Yeah, th- it was this season as we brought in Castaños and uh, Castaños to join Maya and Seferovic. It was thought that these three would make yeah. the Eintracht into something special. And it felt that way at the beginning. <laughs> it really did. Mm, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. It really did. Like, after that 6-2 win over Köln, we had uh, draws against Hamburg, we lost to Schalke, then a draw against Haasfau. But then, when I thought, I thought that things were good for the Eintracht, we then lost to Ingolstadt, mm. tiny little Ingolstadt, and then we got spanked. We got hosed yeah. five to one Bye-bye. against Gladbach. Now we responded by getting uh, five points of our next three matches. Yeah. But then we just fell off the face of a cliff. Yeah. I mean, we had a we had a nil nil draw against Bayern Munich. We were the first team to take points off of Bayern that season. They were still under Pep Guardiola as coach, but losses to Leverkusen, Mainz, lost to Darmstadt. <laughs> the the infamous loss at home to Darmstadt where the fans invaded the pitch mm-hmm. because of their anger towards the team. Shit, yeah. I mean, I've not really forgotten losing to Darmstadt in that way. I was at an Irish pub in downtown Kansas City with my friend uh, and constant uh, guest of the guest of the podcast, uh, uh, Verda Raymond's own uh, member, uh, Doug, who's yeah. joined on podcast on a few times uh watching that with him was more like you know getting kicked in the nuts repeatedly <laughs> i mean it was it was a bad it, it was a look it was a bad oh time. it was bad and <laughs> yeah i the, the like yeah we just came out of tomashoff and it was just a weird time 
to like jump into uh like I, i'd i'd watched some of the the season prior but this was the first season that mm-hmm. i had watched uh the bundesliga uh frequently and it like i was super excited at the beginning of that season and i was like well i got to i got to pay my dues here now uh <laughs> and watch this team exactly. suffer <laughs> Uh, good. Yeah. Well, it didn't turn you off, though. That's a good signal, you know. <laughs> no, no. But like, yeah, yeah mean, the 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 rivalries between the local teams uh, kind of helped me get a foundation for a an appreciation for the team and the region, um, Darmstadt, Mainz. Um, it it was pretty cool to see those rivalries and and to actually like be a part of the ongoing history. You know, like. No, the, now I know why. Now I have a hatred for Darmstadt. Good. Little <laughs> 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 But I mean, but like, it was the it was the a time. the and second a good time at the same time. Now go ahead. It was a good time and a bad time at the same exact right. time. Being able to watch the Eintracht on the match by match basis was exciting and was great, but. The, uh, the bringing about Almond Bay, thinking that we would return to, you know, being a top, you know, uh, when we returned to the Bundesliga after our season uh, where we finished second place onto Almond Bay and then finished in sixth for the Bundesliga season, then uh, Europa Pokal, uh, round of 32, where we got stopped by FC Porto. Uh, well, happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of fans hoped that. They just did not get it with Shaft, and they brought Vey back and thought things would be good. And, you know, that four-match losing streak in November and December really was gut-wrenching because we started plummeting down the table. We had, I guess, a patchwork sort of a... um, Alleviation time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we beating Werder Bremen as we entered the winter pause. Then beat Wolfsburg in the first match back from the winter pause, where Maya had another hat trick. Mm-hmm. I mean, in case you, yeah, that's two hat tricks on the season, folks. And he ended up with twelve goals. So that kind of shows you where the rest of the goals were kind of distributed out, more piecemeal like. And then. Oh gosh, we didn't we didn't win another match after we beat Wolfsburg on the 24th of January. We didn't win another match and that was the match day 18. We didn't win another one until the 27th when Niko Kovac uh coincidentally was in charge. Yeah. Roman, what you probably have some fond memories of the season? I do, yeah. I mean, the I, relegation I, re- I remember it as the I would say the red wine uh, season, I would I would call it because it was like <laughs> yeah, like you said the Armin Fee, Bruno Hübner and Heribert Bruchang, those guys would just basically drink red wine together all the time and and you know, philosophy <laughs> of, um, you know, to try to uh, It looked like we were drinking a lot because it was when they, we lost, they thought they're gonna do a big we would start, at least but score, but it lost back. Yeah, it was just weird. Like, like what you what you started <laughs> up. The decisions they made were kind of odd and weird, and they knew it's gonna be the end of Bruchhagen era, you know. And they kind of planned, you know, that Fee would take over. You know, that was the master plan. I mean, the master plan was basically yeah. Bruchhagen mm-hmm. steps down, and then Fee would take over. God forbid this uh, um, we, this didn't happen. So I think this right, it was the best season ever because um, we needed this. Otherwise, that would have been the master plan. And um, 
And and yeah, so that's kind of how I remember, like weird decisions, you know, and like Bruchhagen at the end, but still kind of celebrating his own, uh, um, his own style. And basically, he didn't understand why, and and who and after, and he didn't care. And it was just like odd. It was such an odd right. season. Like there was like no future, no outlook, no plan because. And it's just like everything was basically deciding by a, a, a late night red wine. That's how decisions were made. Um, <laughs> at least that's how it seemed, right? I'm not saying it was. And uh, and yeah, and then they yeah with Armin Fee and the, even though you know, all fairness, I liked that idea. You know, I was at that point. You know, I, I thought that yeah, I mean Fee. You know, he we had great times with him um, uh, yeah. before and. Uh, he left. It was like the weird time, right, where he said, "Oh, I'm, I want to leave Frankfurt because I hate shaking losers' hands afterward." I mean, like I, I hate shaking hands as a loser after all the time. And then he went to Stuttgart, right, relegated, uh, made sure that they relegated, and um, you know, and then he came back <laughs> like, "Wait a second, it's like what? I don't know, I, or was it? I think I'm mixing stuff up." But anyways, it's just a really weird era with like Armin Fee and everything and then Prochang leaving and I'm a fan of Prochang right we talked about this uh, previous to this podcast um, but it was time to go you know it was his time and yeah. uh, um, I will never uh, I, I will always defend Prochang wherever I can because he did great things for Eintracht Frankfurt um, and I will never forget that but you know still this doesn't mean the time uh, wasn't over for him so it's just totally strange season put it that way totally strange in Exactly. So, Eintracht Frankfurt Ingolstadt in Frankfurt ended 1-1. Uh, wasn't exactly a good match for match day 25. So, guess who we brought in? We brought in a Croat, a pair of Croats, actually. The brother combination of Robert and Nico Kovac as a 1-2 and two combination. We started off really shakily, boys. Uh, the first five matches that we had, it was Gladbach, then Hanover, then Munich, and then Hoffenheim, and then Leverkusen, where we picked up a grand total of three yeah. points. Uh, and that's where things sort of picked up from there. Uh, Benatira scoring the lone goal, one of the weirder matches uh, ever. Hanover was a team dead and buried, and we barely were see being seen as, wow, we were actually beating yeah. this team. And remember, uh, the two teams that would be directly relegated were Stuttgart and Hanover. Hanover relegated... Basically confirmed in practically March uh, for relegation and Stuttgart not re properly relegated until the very final match day. But then things picked up in late April. The Aufjets We play Mainz. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Aufjets. The start of an interesting... Exactly. Hashtag Aufjets. Exactly. And it was Eintracht versus Mainz. And we picked up a 2-1 win after a late uh, own goal to give us hope in one of our local rivalries. Uh, it just happened to hurt the fact that uh, the next match day we would be playing with uh, no traveling fans. To give a little tidbit, Darmstadt had already beaten us at home, and they scored within the first 15 minutes. And so I, as an truck fan, am just thinking, oh, God. Is this really the end? Is this really how we go out? But wasn't that wasn't that the match that there were no fans? Yeah, 
I think so. The match that there were no no yeah, traveling yeah. fans, and there but there were poli- half of but members of the police force there at the stadium moved to the Eintracht yeah. side and cheered when Eintracht uh, scored the goals via Hasebe and if you can remember him, uh, Stefan yeah. Eigner, a yes, personal favorite of mine. Just saying, and so. All right, we have gotten to match day thirty-three. We have well, I just want to Dortmund say that that match, that particular match against Darmstadt, I felt like that was that was when I earned my badge as an Eintracht fan because <laughs> I was just yeah. like exactly. I, that that game just going into it with no fans. I don't know. I was so pissed about it, and I'm sure I I was ten percent of so what the other fans felt like that had our lifers and. At the end, I was just when Hasebe scored, I was just like, "Fuck you guys!" Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, and then Eigner scores, and I just lost it. I think I ran outside, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> uh, Kansas City Beer Company. Uh, I'm glad that they moved. Uh, in case you've ever been there, uh, we've done a lot two live broadcasts there. And they have this garage door, and they had just lifted it up because it had gotten that warm that they could actually utilize that. And the second goal went in, and I quaffed from my. I was like, <laughs> and I was just like, like, oh my! I had my fist in my mouth and just said, one one second, because all because I was watching it because it wasn't on any of the TV screens. I was watching it on uh, one of the laptops yeah. we had that was streaming the match, and I quaffed my beer and I just ran outside and jumped on the top of the machine <laughs> and I was fuck yeah! Now that we have the expletive uh, <laughs> on there, and everyone was like, well, "What are you doing?" And it was like. Dude, uh, you're standing on there. Uh, if you've been drinking too much, you're gonna fall over the edge, and you're gonna fall like ten feet. And I'm can't <laughs> care at that moment in time. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, as the final whistle blew, we were in sixteenth place, and I was thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, two games left." And then I realized, "Oh shit!" Yeah, the Bundesliga title is not over. <laughs> we have Dortmund. <laughs> And that's where Eintracht versus Dortmund possibly gave more people heart uh-huh. attacks than anything else. Uh, I mean, to if we had VAR at the time, we would have that match would have had an equalizer. Yeah. A certain goal was called off in the second uh, half, uh, Matsumo's uh, goal, and that that sealed up the title for the for the Bayern uh, for that season. But it was a goal in the first 15 minutes by Stefan Eigner from a corner. Oh, God. I'm tr- actually struggling to remember who the hell hit the corner. But there's about... In Kansas City, there's about... Just to put emphasis on it. There were about 25, 30 Dortmund uh, <laughs> fans that were ready there. We're on the big screen. And, and then Whack! Eigner puts it in, yeah. and I get on top of the chair that I that I was sitting on, and I'm like, "Fuck!" Yeah. <laughs> and all the guys look at me, and they're like, "What?" It's like, "Oh come on, you're not gonna hold on to that lead." And I said, "Yes, we are, <laughs> and we're gonna survive fucking relegation because of it." What up? And then I think at that very same few moments later, I think. Uh, Werder Bremen conceded a goal that basically meant that the final match day between Eintracht and Werder would end up being just this uh, death nail. And then the goal, 
was called back, right. and then it meant that we would have our final playoff. And then to point out, uh, Werder Bremen in their last five matches, uh, their four matches prior to playing us, they picked up a necessary seven points from four matches played. So, you know, relegation survival mode uh, was on for us along with Werder Bremen, but we held out against a team that was playing for the Bundesliga title. And somehow we came out ahead. And then it was a final match day against Werder Bremen, knowing that so long as we did not lose, we would avoid playing in the relegation playoff. Alas. Against, um, let's say, Freiburg and uh, Leipzig were the teams that went up that season and have since stayed up. Uh, go figure. And uh, Nuremberg were the team that was always trailing them. It was a three-horse race the entire way, and then only until the end did Nuremberg get reconciled with the playoff and so you had this one match playoff that was put on the big chain on fox network fox had eintracht versus Werder Bremen because they realized that's gonna be this the game. means everything mm-hmm. yeah. this is the freaking end of all ends and it was the one of the ugliest matches i've ever seen as an eintracht fan now we've had some ugly ones <laughs> but this was just we're just making sure you don't score just making sure you don't score. Mm-hmm. And then Jiloboji puts it in like with just four minutes, uh, two minutes from stoppage time to send all the Werder Bremen fans in our uh, brew hall. As, I, I kind of point this out from a personal perspective. I'm there. I'm the lone Frankfurt <laughs> fan who's shown up. And I just keep on biting my <laughs> scarf the entire match. And I and Doug are really good friends, but we did text each like once uh, our match against Dortmund and his match against Cone had ended. We looked at each other and like, next week let's we're friends. Let's just be cordial, but realize that it's ninety minutes and we're going to be friends afterwards. <laughs> let's just deal with it. And he and his throng of Bremen fans. There's about five of them. At the time, there's about 10 of them in Kansas City. It's actually a large huh. group. They go absolutely nuts. I get angry. This scarf has uh, since gone through the wash, thankfully. But I am just like, F this. <laughs> Quaff my beer. Slam it down the table. Uh, didn't mean to break it, but, you know, did. Paid for it. Because, uh, you know, I'm a good human being. Throw my scarf in the trash. Freaking walk out on the porch, kick it so hard that I, uh, <laughs> I dislocate my big toe. Oh, no. Uh, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it <laughs> until later. And I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> and then I'm just like, Argh! and then I'm driving home later and I'm like, my toe is throbbing. Why? And my now uh, 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 spouse is like, do you not remember kicking the side? He's like, yeah. He's like, that was really loud, and I heard a crack, and I couldn't tell if that was you or the wood. <laughs> oh, no. I was in such <laughs> anger. And then, gentlemen, we had 180 minutes minimum to go through. Right. In two matches. Let me, let me add so, one, a quick one to the to the Bremen one. Is like I, so I used to be fond of Bremen, right, because I studied there. I went to university in, in Bremen, and I've been to the Ostkurve, a couple of times, right? So um, not 
just because it was cheap and it's a really something nice to do on the weekend. But uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, it, it, so I did have some sim- sympathies for Bremen, but they all got lost on that game, and not because of the game, but because of you know the way the fans, <laughs> the supporters behaved. You know the way they. I remember you know the way they intimidated the bus when they came over, and they had like all the bullshit with this like. A uh, green white wall of whatever, like Osterdeich, green white. Oh, I don't even. <laughs> whatever this bullshit that they came. They had like ten, fifteen thousand <laughs> fans welcome their bus to the yeah, stadium. Yeah, I mean, which is of course fair uh, enough. I would have probably been proud if it would have been my team, but uh, uh, you know, I thought it was totally. I mean, the way they intimidated it, that the cops didn't do anything. You know, that they were kind of forcing like uh, um, the bus through like the very tight crowd, and uh, you know, usually you know you have cops you know clearing the way for them you know so they can drive through in a normal speed and not you know like really slow that everyone can throw their uh, you know especially after the time with after the bomb threat with Dortmund you know you kind of like feel have it I don't know for me it was a game where I totally lost respect for Bremen and if they relegate uh, this season which oh, I hope they don't but like if they do I think they deserved it just because of that just because of that last match, um, <laughs> they they lost my sympathy, uh, or I lost a big, big, uh, big time. I mean, my friends that I still have from Bremen, you know, I, of course I don't want them for them, but like a little inner yeah. person in myself says, like, yeah, that's the the, uh, you know, you you pay your price for your <laughs> for your deeds for your sins. Indeed, indeed. So, Nathan, do you have any other? Uh, tidbit to throw at us for the Bremen match. No, your personal reaction. Just, uh, utter. <laughs> all right, to get into the relegation playoff because, as we remember, Marco Rose ahead of yeah. the match against Werder Bremen had announced that he had cancer. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of fans were really like, "You're going to play for the team. You ended up getting that goal. Uh, that." equalizing goal against mines you know going all for it not half-assing it you know one real you know one of our own so to speak you know yeah. a, a player just from a guy just from Hanau who's been a part of for minus two seasons where he was with Wolfsburg and picked up a nice paycheck I'm sure you know a guy who has given his lifeblood for uh, the Eintracht. You know, he was he was on that team. He was on the match day squad uh, for the runner up uh, the runner up medal we received in the uh, 2006 uh, Pokal final. A guy who really uh, exemplified everything that was the club, mm-hmm. and he got that own goal in the, right before halftime. And I was like, oh god! And then. Yeah. Now, this is before we got the equalizer, but he got yellow carded, and then I'm like, oh, no. Thinking you you scored the – you got the own goal that's given them the lead. Your yellow card means that, as a player, you're unable to play in the second leg. And yep. from a personal standpoint, you're in one of the biggest personal crises that you can have knowing that you're un- about to undergo cancer treatment once the season is over with. And so – the man had to – my heart was going out to the guy because I was thinking, yeah. oh, my God, how can someone go through that? And a tiny little – he still now he still is a little reed, but Gasinovich, you know, kind of wiggling through the – you know, the 10 men behind the ball that uh, Nuremberg was playing at the time, and he puts it in in the 65th minute. I go <laughs> – 
I am at work. Uh, and I uh, stand up and yell, that's fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> and my coworker said, and I, I was working at a ticket uh, sales agency, and they're like, did you just make a big sale? And I'm like, uh, yes, I did. It was a hundred. It was more. It was nearly a thousand dollars worth. And my boss actually could see my screen. And he messaged me, and he's just like, "I see what you're fucking doing." And I said, "This is a relegation playoff in the Bundesliga. Can you please give me that?" And he asked me, "During what time is the second leg?" Because he knew uh, he was a scholarship uh, soccer athlete that uh, played at a Midwest uh, school, um, Missouri Valley Conference, Drake University. So he understood what soccer meant and he's like all right i'm gonna put you on this screen in the back corner for a second leg just make sure that you shut the fuck up and do as much work as you can <laughs> during the time just know that you're gonna have to put in an extra two hours of work but i'll let you pretend that you are working whilst you can watch the game in peace oh <sighs> Thank you, Mark, for that. Yeah, that is super but nice. But that, that was, cool. for me, leg one. And it, it was so yeah. crazy. And all you could see in social media was the fans absolutely going bananas. Some people who were like, wow, these Eintracht fans are going nuts. Making the, you know, the upper tier part of the stadium, uh, the corporate seats, that is, you know, just bounce because they were jumping up and down, yelling so much. And I was like, there's enough juju in this. Yeah. One, one. Nuremberg has got to make something happen. Otherwise, you know, it's completely open for us to possibly get a win. I was feeling confident for leg two. And who would have thought that the man who couldn't score, like, (laughs) once the winter pause was done, the guy who couldn't get laid in a whorehouse, despite the fact that his own wife, you know, his own wife was uh, uh, getting to Instagram and having to, you know, tell us ultras, us hardcore fans, Hey, he is working hard, but I was like, bro, he's working that hard. It's like, then the rest of us are hard to work. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a. Safarovic scores in the second half against Nuremberg on a good counterattack to send the 5,000 traveling fans into absolute raptures. Uh, they didn't seem to mind the fact that we were setting off pyrotechnics uh, for leg two, but bloody hell, it was magical. There are multiple people who have actually gotten in contact with us who were at uh, that match when uh, we made it known that uh, we will be covering this portion of Eintracht history. But where were you guys when Eintracht defeated Nuremberg 1-0 to, win- to survive relegation and to allow Niko Kovac the chance to take us to many more heights going forward. Um, I was watching where I always was watching in my living room, but uh, whatever nonsense Seferovic, um, you know, plastered on this team and the reputation that he had, it's all forgiven in my mind for that specific goal. He he, uh, achieved, he kept us up. So, that's, that's, that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I remember too. Is like this thing where I was like, okay, I I'm I'm not forgiving you for all the shit we went through with you before, but at least mm-hmm. now you can leave on neutral grounds. You know, I'm not gonna have you know. Exactly. That was kind of like the okay it's relegation okay. survival yeah, mess. Exactly. Yeah. We got we stayed in the Bundesliga. That's all that technically. Uh, that's all that it meant to us. But and you gotta think. You know, the 
at that point in time when Fox broadcasted the game, and, you know, one of the uh, post-match comments were, you know, uh, the Bundesliga team typically wins in the relegation playoff should the relegation playoff be scrapped. And all I could think in my head was, Oh, it's like, where the hell was this conversation beforehand? <laughs> uh, it's like, thank God that this wasn't there, that there's been no... T- <laughs> and weirdly, there hasn't been any traction in regards to the relegation playoff being scrapped. And, you know, in most seasons, yes, the Bundesliga does not have its... The relegation playoff really has no impact on what happens in the Bundesliga itself. It might as well just be two teams relegated until recently with Union Berlin, who put down Stuttgart. But yeah, this was right. not the first time that the Eintracht was saved via the relegation playoff. But it has earned us more hatred with the Nuremberg supporters uh, than we feel towards yeah, them. Yeah, but then we don't like Nuremberg. <laughs> and we already talked so. in the last episode. We already talked about the where the hatred uh, uh, of the Eintracht from the Nuremberg supporters even comes from, and. You know, I say, you know, hate as much as you want. <laughs> Just kind of live and let live. I mean, granted, I'm saying that selfishly uh, because we survived it. You know, the next season, uh, the next two seasons actually would uh, for relegation playoffs would actually be Wolfsburg each and every single yep. uh, for the next two seasons against the local rivals uh, Braunschweig the, second, the next season and Kiel uh, the next season we had a team properly relegated but it i mean hey guys we were saved because the bundesliga has a two and a half relegation spot yeah this is one of the more greater more tangible successes that the eintracht had and we almost treated this like a cup victory in and of itself it felt that way it felt that way oh yeah <laughs> exactly and <laughs> Just the way that things went about to me, it, it meant to me that I was able to see my team on the everyday match basis for just another season. And who would have suspected that we would enjoy the success that we had? But such was the Niko Kovac era that he pulled us out of the fire by just establishing within the team a never say die attitude right. a fighting spirit that still i would say is still embodies quite a few of the players who are left over from that era still today mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think yeah. that is something to be just really truly enjoyed from the fact that you know the players went through the shit and have come out the other end finishing the next season uh making the pokal finale finishing in 11th place whilst we were in a higher position but hey you know no big deal and then we go return again to the pokal finale under Nico Kovac's final season and we finish in eighth place and just originally via the Bundesliga had just missed out on making the Europa League uh, by mm-hmm. that and thinking and we sent we had the Stuttgart fans that next season uh, celebrating and finishing in seventh thinking that hey we made the Europa League because the Eintracht is not going to beat the Bayern and go figure that we would <laughs> but without the Niko Kovac signing and those oh, yeah. multiple kind of Alfietz matches Eintracht yeah. would I don't even, I can't even fathom where the Eintracht would be uh, without the 
if we had not uh, pulled through in that during that time. And, you know, go figure that we're now talking about the Eintracht uh, being in the Europa Pokal for two years running. Sure, putting on the hiatus due to this, but we're in a wonderful position as a club because of this one season, and we're able to talk about it here and now. It's the best. It's kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is the best. Yeah, well, it started for everything we have now, right? I mean, like with Kovac, that was like the, exactly. the birthplace of a new Eintracht, you know? It was like, yeah. yeah, so brilliant, you know? I mean, at the end, we can be lucky for for everything that happened because also I think um, this this victory against Nuremberg in the relegation, you know, was kind of like giving more strength to uh, and power to Kovac that he needed in the next season to, uh, you know, the... That's just what you need, you know, if you just kind of wiggle through or, you know, it's always different, you know, if you have like one one common um, goal that you strive for, that you fight for, and then you make it, um, that's always, you know, a good a good good thing for everyone. So at the end, we were lucky. Um, I would not want to trade with Bremen now, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so happy that they didn't do their relegation and we went through that, you know, you never know. We were at the similar situation, I mean, never forget. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, guys, I think I have to, I have to drop off soon or not. I, I don't think I do have to drop off soon. I got to jump to my next calls. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, thank you everyone for listening to us ramble and rage and remember fondly, uh, that relegation survival via the relegation playoff. Uh, gentlemen, before we say adieu, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? You find me oh, on man. SF Bay Eagles on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's where you find me. You can uh, you can find me Nathan on Twitter at n a j a k w a, um, and we also have this new fan oh, yeah. uh Discord for Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast that Super we're cool. uh, kicking off today. Yeah, thank you, uh, Nathan, for that. That's a super cool thing. Um, and now we're streaming yeah. live, so that's cool. Oh, we yeah. can scream, stream live. Indeed. That way. <laughs> yeah, can we're planning to stream uh, live through Discord from here, from here on out. Cool. You guys could Exactly. It's uh, only going to be a good thing going forward. We're really excited about it. And you can find uh, the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast on all your favorite uh, podcast uh, subscribing uh, platforms. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. That is at H-E-F-Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod for all the latest news and notes. And uh, new episode drops. And the, uh, covering... Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language on facebook.com slash H-E-F pod. I've been your host, uh, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. And from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, cheers. 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 Hey,